Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Good stuff. All right, so I'm really excited about tonight, and today, this morning, is more of a setup. I want you to be able to come tonight with the, with the right expectation and the right heart behind what we're trying to do. And so we're going to be doing that in just a moment. Uh, but something else that I'm also wanting to do is to just go through a couple of questions that came up uh, from the series so far that we haven't had the time to explain uh, properly. And so I'm going to do that right now uh, so that you can have the confidence going forward about who who the Holy Spirit is, what He's doing in your life, and and grabbing a hold of that uh, for yourself. If you haven't been here for the whole series, make sure you podcast it. We believe that every week has been building and building and building. Today is kind of like the climax, and so um, if you feel like you've missed out on on what's going on and you want to backtrack a little bit, that's all available on podcasts on our website. Uh, But last week we spoke about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and one of the questions that came up was that um, people were asking, if you don't speak in tongues, does that mean that you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit? And to that, the very simple answer that I can give to you, if you want a short answer, is I don't know. Straight out, I don't know. The Bible doesn't clearly say that if you speak in tongues, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's something that we did speak about last week. But what we can say with confidence is that there is no other evidence that the Bible states um, that, that, that you can know for sure that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we went through that last week. And that is probably the thing that we can come down to. And, and what we want people to know is that uh, you, you desire this. If you haven't spoken in tongues, we believe that it is a, it's, it's something that God gives to every person and the purpose of it is so that you can have this personal prayer language that builds you up. God has given you something to help you build yourself up. There are not many things in the Bible that we read about that builds us up in terms of what you can do for yourself. I mean, take responsibility, read the Bible, all that stuff, but it doesn't always say that clearly. Speaking, uh, but speaking in tongues actually says, uh, speak in tongues because it builds yourself up. We want to have Christians that are larger on the inside than they are on the outside. In other words, we don't want fat Christians, but we want giants of faith. We want people that are influencing and changing their world. But it requires you to have a largeness on the inside. And a part of having that largeness is that you are building up that spiritual aspect of your life, that that spiritual muscle in your life. Um, And so all I can say regarding that is if you don't speak in tongues, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to say you're a second class citizen. I can't say that at all. But what I can say is that there is a gift that God is wanting to give to you and that is available for you. We don't know why sometimes it takes some people a little while to receive this uh, ability to speak in tongues, but we will stand with you. Literally, this is my commitment to you. If you so desire to speak in tongues but you haven't received it yet, I will pray with you every Sunday until you receive it. 
yeah. I'll do that. Because I want you, I believe that this is something that you can have, and I want you to have it. I can't speak to you every single day, every single hour, but God can, and the Holy Spirit is living in you when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's how I can answer that question. I know it doesn't give you a massive amount of confidence, but sometimes faith doesn't allow you to know everything, yeah? If you know everything, then it's not faith. It's just knowing. Uh, but faith is actually having to step out every now and then. And this is one of those areas that in the Bible I do believe it requires a bit of faith. Now another question, another thing though is that I, I actually like this question because I think it helps me to think about it and to explain it. Some people are asking, uh, so what does tongues actually sound like? Am I supposed to understand it? Is it just one word? Is it a whole bunch of words? And I believe that some people don't speak in tongues because they haven't realized that God is teaching them tongues. What do I mean by that is that tongues is a language. It's something that you speak uh, and it's something that you have to use. See, I grew up in Singapore and for 15 years of my life, uh, barring the first three while I was not educated at that point, um, I learned Mandarin, but I suck at Mandarin. In my high school in Singapore, I even had a teacher from China try to teach me Mandarin, and I still, at best, was a 50% student. I just didn't know how to use a language. I didn't want to use, I, I didn't want to use the language. I hated the language. I didn't use it at home. My parents spoke to me in English and, and uh, my poor grandma who only speaks in Hokkien and Mandarin, I was just like, don't put me in the same room with her. Not alone. I just don't know how to communicate with my own grandma because of a language that I never put into practice and used. And I think when it comes to tongues, there is a, a, a bit of a similarity because it is a language that we have to understand is a language and it's something that we have to use. Uh, at the same time, most languages you understand what you're saying, but when it comes to tongues, you don't. And that's something that you have to understand. It might sound like gibberish to you. It might sound like just nothing words to you. But that's what the Bible says. When you speak in tongues, you are uttering mysteries unto God. And it also says that when you are speaking in tongues, your mind is futile. There's nothing going on up there because you don't really understand what's going on. But your spirit is being activated. Your spirit is coming alive. And so when you speak in tongues, you're not supposed to be understanding it using your mind, but you're supposed to be activating your spirit. And so, some of you might have actually received a few little words or phrases, or, or maybe if to you it just sounds like one syllable. My sister, when she was first baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, she had one syllable. And I think it was something like ta. And that's all she got. And literally, all, when she prayed in tongues, it was just ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. And that's all she did. It was weird. It was interesting. It was like, what's going on? That's a pretty weird language, isn't it, God? And God's like, yeah, but you have faith. And so it's doing something. You don't know it, but you know it in here. Now, my sister, on being a Christian for many years, has developed a tongue language that God continued to unfold for her. And so she does speak a lot more now. Uh, but it's a process, and it takes a little bit of time. So 
for you, maybe when you're coming uh, to be prayed for to receive tongues, just, just let it go. Just stop trying to understand it. And whatever comes to your spirit or whatever just feels right in your spirit, just speak it out. And then from there, practice it. That's something else that I do want to let every person know. I know many people that, that on the day when someone prayed for them, they started speaking in tongues. But then the week later, it's like, how are you going to that? And it's like, I don't think I speak in tongues. And it's like, but you did. It's a language that you're meant to practice. And so I would say to a person, take five minutes a day, put on your favorite worship song that helps you connect with God, and then for that five minutes, just speak in tongues without any, using any English or whatever language that you know, and just speak in that tongue. This week I tried that. I was driving um, somewhere and I just put on one of the songs. I knew the song was about six to eight minutes long, so it was a bit long. And uh, I loved the song and uh, I just set myself a target. I'm not going to speak in English the whole time for this song. I'm just going to speak in tongues. I'm not going to sing it even though I wanted to sing it. I love the song, but I was like, no, I'm going to speak in tongues. And the first minute it's like, yeah, this is good. Second minute, mmm, good. Third minute is like, mmm, this is hard. <laughs> Fourth minute, and like, okay. But somehow, somewhere in the middle of that song, suddenly something started to be activated inside your spirit. And, and something started activated in my spirit. And the last few minutes was like, yeah, awesome. I didn't know what I was praying for, but I knew that God was praying on my behalf. I knew that the Holy Spirit was, was being activated in me and was praying for me. And even though I didn't know what was going up here, I knew I was in a good place and I was being built up. And so that's something that I would say to you, uh, don't just expect immediate results. Don't expect the first word that comes out of your mouth, suddenly you see heaven opening and Jesus is standing in front of you and saying, you are a mighty man of God. No, sometimes it's hard work. Sometimes it takes you a little bit of practice, a little bit of use to get into the flow of things. Uh, I remember a story that Pastor Joel used to tell us, um, but he was, uh, uh, he was at Life City at this point and he was a kids pastor and there was a, uh, an evangelist that came through and, and was um, speaking and he got to shadow this speaker and to pray for people and this person um, he was very well known in being able to uh, pray for people to prophesy over people and to uh, um, do all these kind of amazing things and he was shadowing this man and this man would, would always commit to praying for every person that came down uh, to the response time at the end and sometimes he would be there, the, the, the meeting would start at 7.30 and he wouldn't finish till midnight, he would just be praying for person after person till every person got their breakthrough and Pastor Joel got to shadow him, got to pray for a couple of people, first person he was like yeah this is awesome, this is so much fun, this is great seeing God move mightily second person oh this is good but I'm getting tired but a third person he was like turning to this other pastor and he was like how do you do this and this pastor turns to him laughs at him ha 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 and says you're weak just says you're weak not in a condemning way but it's like how often do you speak in tongues he just asked how often do you speak in tongues your spirit man is weak because you've not been exercising it you've not been speaking in tongues and the things that I believe many of us have got a call from God that is amazing and huge but you know that you're not warring against flesh and blood you're warring against powers and principalities in the spiritual realm which requires us to be built up spiritually in order to be able to fight the 
thing is that you already have the victory, but you have to learn how to persevere. Something that I learned in my time in the army is that I wasn't strong physically, but my spirit was able to continue on. So one of the things that we did, this exercise was called the long walk, and it literally was just a long walk. It was a very long walk. I was carrying 25 kilos of equipment on my back, and I walked for 60 kilometers overnight. It started at about 4 p.m., and we walked all the way till 6 a.m. the next day. 14 hours of walking. My body was broken, but in my, I just had this persevering spirit inside of me that allowed me to push through. And once I got to the end, I was like, I did it. And I think sometimes in the spiritual realm, it's not so much whether you're strong or weak. You're always going to get there. It's whether you have the perseverance to get there or not. And tongues is something that helps you to get there. And you just need to practice it. All right, so those are a couple of comments that I wanted to make. Sorry, I spent a bit more time on it than I thought I would, but I just want people to catch a hold of this amazing thing that God has given to us, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of being able to speak in tongues. It's great stuff. If, you, if you're a little bit lost in what I'm saying today, make sure you grab the podcast, especially from last week, because we really talked about it last week. In the last 15 minutes that I have for this morning, I want to set up for tonight. I want to set you up for what is, I believe, uh, an unforgettable night for you and for me. I love these nights, but you already know that. But I want you to love it as well. Um, and I know every time a church does something for the first time, people are unsure about what it's like. If you are there tonight, it's going to be such a memorable night for yourself. So please be there. Uh, but I want to get us to the heart of what we are doing. I want us to get to the heart of why we are putting on an anointing service. And the first thing that I want to point to is in Matthew 28 verses 19 to 20. And this is a very famous passage and we know it today as the Great Commission. Now the Great Commission is basically the mission of every single Christian. This is, at the end of the day, this is what our lives should be about. And this is what it says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is such a powerful statement. Why? Because God reveals his heart and his plan for the world. See, I realize at some point in my life, that the eternity of other people is dependent on whether I'm living out the Great Commission. My friends and my family's eternity is dependent on whether I am living a life on mission with God. God is not sending an uh, army of angels to do your work. God has actually chosen to use you to impact the whole world. It's gotten very silent in here. And I don't know if it's because you're cold or you're like, oh my gosh, that's the first time I realized that. That is a journey that God's been bringing me on because I thought at some stage that my Christian life was just about living right and getting the blessings of God. And then at some point I realized, as I read through Scripture, there is no plan B except for the church. 
There is no plan B that God has put in his redemptive plan so that if you fail, he's got something else in mind. No, no, no. God's actually done all that he's going to do regarding the redemptive plan. And that is to send Jesus to come to earth as a man to die for our sins so that whoever confesses with their lips and believes in their heart that he is Lord, they will receive salvation. God sacrificed his life so that salvation is ours and then he passes the baton on to us and says, now you go be my witnesses. Now you go shine the light wherever you go. Now you make a difference in your influence circles and make disciples. And when I read that and when I understand that, I think, God, you are dumb. God, you are so dumb to trust me. You are so dumb to trust a fallible human being who some days doesn't even want to get out of bed. And you want the faith of my friends and my family to rest on my shoulders? I don't want that. But that's still the truth. And God's not changing his mind anytime soon. But the thing is that God has not left us with a mission without giving us the ability to pull through with it. And that's something we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We see this whole ends of the earth thing again. God is once again affirming to his disciples, you are living a life on purpose that is going to take you far beyond anything that you could imagine. It's going to take you far beyond anything you could ever think of. You are going to have influence and authority far beyond anything you could ever think think about or even imagine I'm taking you to the ends of the earth and you're going to be my witnesses but you're not going to be my witnesses by yourself you're going to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit I'm giving you the one thing that you need in order to accomplish the mission given to you and let me just make a comment about this whole mission You can have all the money, you can have all the vocations, you can have all the, uh, uh, you can have your dream house and your dream car, you can have your dream partner, you can have your dream kids, and you can still have this nagging sense that you have something that you are missing. You can have everything that the world could give you. You can have all the drugs, all the party, all the alcohol, all the sex that you want in the world, and something will still be missing in your heart. And why is that so? It's because you are meant to live your life with a purpose and meaning that comes from God alone. And that purpose and meaning comes when we live our lives on mission. I love that some people have come to this church and upon being a part of this journey, they said, wow, this Christianity thing is a bit different from what I thought. I thought it was just about praying to a God and getting the blessings. But now I see that Christianity is about other people. It's about you getting the wholeness so that it impacts other people. It's about you receiving blessings from God so that you can be a blessing to other people. I love that through being a part of this community, they start to see something bigger than themselves. And what they're realizing is that God has given them a mission in their life and that mission is going to haunt you if you don't live up to it but that mission is way beyond us let's admit it this mission is way beyond me but when I have the Holy Spirit living in me everything is possible 
And that's the setup for tonight. The setup for tonight is not so that you can get goosebumps and, and, and fall on the floor and, and, and feel a, a little bit of joy and then you go home and that's it. The whole point of tonight is to get you to a place where God is able to refresh, to, to empower you to live that mission. We, we want that for you. We don't want you to just be going through uh, tonight and just going, well, that was a nice thing. I don't want nice. I want it to be violent. I want God to be so shaking you that when you go back to your life tomorrow, that everything is different. You start to see things differently. You start to see your place in your uh, work environment differently. You start to see your place in your families completely differently. You start to see that you have an influence and an authority that God has given to you and that you are meant to use for His purposes. And so we're just going to explore this for a little bit more, and we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 2. And I love this. I love this chapter. And um, to set it up, you're going to need to know two characters. There was a man named Elijah and his disciple Elisha. Now, Elijah is one of the greatest prophets ever in the whole of the history of Israel. And if you go to Israel today, you would still uh, be able to say the prophet Elijah, and those people would go, man, that was an amazing prophet. That, that's, that's how widely known his name is. And, and he had his disciple named Elisha. And when we get to 2 Kings chapter 2, um, Elijah is about to be taken up to heaven, and that's kind of the picture of what's going on. And we're going to read about it now. And it says, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind. I'll let that sink in. Elijah never died. Elijah was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. And so if you ever see a whirlwind, don't get scared. It's actually God saying it's time for you to come home. <laughs> Do not quote that. That is so not biblical at all. It was only for Elijah. I was just testing you guys. There were like three people awake. Thank you very much. All of you guys and your phones. Now, most of you passed the test, which is really good. So, Elijah was about to get taken up to heaven by a whirlwind. Really cool. That's what a whirlwind is supposed to look like. It's artist rendition. Um, and Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Now this exchange happens two more times. Um, so they were first in Gilgal, and they went to Bethel. And then from Bethel, um, Elijah wanted to go to Jericho, and then from Jericho to the, to the Jordan River. And each time, um, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, I'm going to go. Elisha says, no, I'm going to stay with you. And a couple more times, there were some of the prophets, I think they were just trying to prove that, that they can hear from God, and they were telling Elisha, hey man, you're, uh, Elijah's going to get taken away. So, so what are you doing? And Elisha 
Elisha was just like, shut up. I know what I'm doing. And so uh, Elisha continues on, and we're going to pick it up again. And it says, so the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. How cool that Elisha knew that there was a promise awaiting him. But to achieve and to take a hold of that promise, he needed to go the whole distance. And he was already passing the test before the test came. How cool is that? Side note, anyway. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. There we go. And, and Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other and Elisha went over. Now Elisha, his first recorded miracle was the last recorded miracle of Elijah. He basically took over the mantle from Elijah and carried that on. And it's really cool because Elijah, even though he is one of the most famous prophets, all of the stuff that he did can be condensed into two chapters in the Bible. But Elisha, the stuff that he did actually can be put into about six to seven chapters of the Bible. We know Elijah, but Elisha did twice as much as what Elijah did. He takes on the mantle of who's supposed to be one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history and he carries it on and does twice as much with it. And you can see that maybe he really did receive a double portion of the spirit that Elijah had when he took up that cloak that Elijah dropped for him. And, and, and the whole thing is, the thing that was stirring in my heart is that to achieve the promise, to live out the mission that God has got for us, there is a process that we go through in order to get the promise. You see, Elijah told Elisha, stay here, I'm going to go somewhere. And then he does this three other times. And every time Elisha is like, no, I know where I need to be. And I'm wondering whether some of us in the journey that we are on, we feel like God's giving us... The permission to stay behind and we so so we do but in so doing we're missing out on what God has got for us we are not chasing we are not pursuing what God has got for us we are not going through the process and we are expecting the promise I've got a map that is going to come up on the screens and, and there, there we go I did not draw that I found it on Google someone did that but it looks like a kid's handwriting and it wasn't me but you can see they started in Gilgal and where they were wanting to go was at, at, at the Jordan River, which is right there. 
But instead of going straight to the Jordan, they went backwards to Bethel and then back towards the river to Jericho and then to the Jordan River. That whole journey, some people say, would have taken about 40 kilometers. Some of the people also said that this journey they did in one day. They did this whole walking thing in one day. And the whole point, at no point did Elijah say, if you stay with me all the way to the Jordan, then you will receive the promise. No, no, no. He was just saying, I'm going here. Follow me if you want. I'm going here. Follow me if you want. And, and, and Elisha, every step of the way, he had committed himself to being Elijah's disciple. And he said, at no point am I going to let you out of my sight till God is going to take you away. And because he stuck through the process, he received the promise. I'm wondering whether there are some Christians that are expecting to be made a millionaire overnight because that's God's promise, but they are stuck in Gilgal when, when God has moved on to Bethel. I'm wondering whether some people are expecting the perfect marriage, but you are stuck in Bethel when God's moved on to Jericho. But because there's uncertainty in following God, God's not saying exactly how things are going to be. You're not following through, and you're missing out on the promise. Christian, are you sticking through the process? Are you hanging close to God? No matter what is going on, are you saying, God, you're the one that holds the promise, and so I'm not going to let you go? It was only when they had gone through that 40 kilometers of walking and without knowing where they were going and to the point where Elisha received the promise. Tonight, for some people, it's about getting the process going in your life. It's about saying, God, I know you're going to be there tonight, and so I'm going to be there. There's other stuff that I could do. I could be sitting at home watching Netflix, but right now I know I need to be where you are. Right now I know that you're going to turn up and my promise is where you are. I don't know if I'm going to get what I want tonight, but I'm going to follow you. Maybe for tonight, some of you, it's just going to be one of the stops on your process and one of the stops on your journey. But maybe you're going to miss out if you're not sticking through with the process. We can't be a people of waiting, for, of just simply wanting immediate promises coming to pass. Some of you are not even giving God a chance. Some of you have left God behind because you think that He's left you behind. God's bringing you through this process to enlarge you, to enlarge your faith, to help you to see that your life is beyond yourself and what you desire. And when you've laid down your desires and laid down all that you want, which is what this process often is, is a, is a learning to surrender to God and saying, I don't know where you're going, and this is difficult for me, and this is annoying for me. I would rather you tell me where exactly you want me to be, and I'll be there. But if you don't tell me, I don't, I'm going to throw a tantrum, and I'm just going to stay here till you tell me what you want me to do. If not, bless me. Bless me. I don't care where you're going. Just bless me. I feel I've been there where I've given ultimatums to God. I've been there when I'm like, God, I've done so much for you and I'm going to hold you to ransom. And God's like, I'm moving on. I'm moving on, not because I don't love you, but because I do love you. And you're too small to receive that promise right now. You're too insecure. Your faith hasn't grown through the process because you're not going through that process. I hope that this is not coming across in a condemning way, but 
This is just something that I feel passionately about. We want the goosebumps and we want the money bags in our hands straight away from God, don't we? But some people need to understand, and some people, there is a process. Process means growth. Process means stretching. Process means trusting. But as you go through the process, you get to a place where God is saying, cool, so what do you want? You don't get that question until you go through the process. Elisha's stuck through the process, and so he's at this point, and Elijah is like, what do you want? And Elisha's like, I want a double portion of your spirit. And in our context, in our mind, what it sounds like is Elisha is saying, I want twice of what you got. I want twice as much authority. I want twice as much power. But that's not actually what's happening in this cultural context. Because in Hebrew times, the word double portion is very specific. And it's very specific to um, the elder's son's inheritance from his dying father. So when a, a dad dies, the elder's son is allotted twice as much of all his other siblings, and that is called the double portion. Now, the double portion is not because the eldest son um, just gets twice. It's because the eldest son is inheriting a blessing that comes with a responsibility. The eldest son is now in charge of the whole family. And if in that family, third son is an absolute bum and gets thrown in jail, eldest son now has the responsibility to bail him out. Some of us would prefer not to have that double portion so that we don't have to look after the bum son. You know what I mean? The double portion is because now this son has a massive responsibility. He is stepping into the gap of where his father used to be. And when we say that we want a double portion from God, what you're actually saying to God is that I'm willing to be responsible. I'm not asking for a blessing. I'm actually asking for a responsibility. What Elisha was actually asking Elijah was he was saying, I'm going to carry on the work that you started. I'm going to take the blessing that you're about to give me and I'm going to run with it as far and as, 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 as fast as possible. I'm going to take it the whole way. That's why you go through the process. You're expecting a blessing for blessing's sake, but God is saying, I'm taking you through a process so at the end of the process you understand that the blessing is for the point of you being able to carry out the responsibility I have given to you. And this is the crazy thing because I see so many parallels between this story and that of Jesus and his disciples. Uh, Jesus was about to be taken up to heaven. Elijah was about to be taken up to heaven and 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 and, and Elijah promises this double portion, this inheritance to Elisha. And Jesus does the same. He says, I'm pouring out my spirit on you. This is a double portion moment for each and every one of you. And I love that Jesus actually says in John 14 verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you. Now when Jesus ever says, truly, truly, I say to you, this is a promise that will never be broken. This is something that God is saying, I will definitely definitely do. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, 
not just the 12 disciples. He says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. What did Jesus mean when he says I'm going to the Father? He's saying that I'm going to be taken up to heaven so that I can send the Holy Spirit, you got it. You've been here for three weeks and now you've got it. Pass. Actually, A plus for all of you guys. You're receiving the Holy Spirit, which is a double portion anointing upon your life so that you can feel good about yourself. So that you can be rich and retire and sit in your mansion all by your lonesome. No, 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 so that you can do the same works that he's doing and even greater. Even greater. And I see this parallel. Elijah did two chapters worth of work. Elisha did six chapters. Jesus did four books worth of works. We're going to do eight. I want to do eight. Not because it makes me any better, but it's because I have an inheritance, a double portion anointing from my Father that's going to enable me to live out the amazing mission that He's given to me. Tonight isn't about you getting what you want. It's about you realizing that God's taking you through a process to the point of receiving a promise so that you can live your life on mission. For some of you tonight is a moment to say, God, I'm coming back. I'm just wanting to get my life in order. For some of you, uh, you, you're seeking out a word on how to find God again, and that's cool, and I'm hoping that, that God opens it up for you in such a way that you can see it, that you can feel it, that you have that clarity on how you're going to live your life next. But this is it. I'm not going to pray for people just so you can become rich and so you can get the blessing. That's not what it's about. What it's about is that we have a church that has a mission to reach out to this community. There are people living in darkness. There are people in your life that is living in darkness. And some of you have been praying that the light is going to come. Well, guess what? You are that light. And you have received the promise or you have the potential to receive the promise so that you will have the double portion enabling you to do greater works. And I don't mean greater works as in you get to be salvation personified for people. You don't get to overdo what Christ has done, but it's about the volume. It's about Jesus did a three and a half year public ministry. And his three and a half year public ministry changed the face of the planet. Some of you have been Christians for longer than three and a half years, but you haven't been out of your own little house yet. I don't mean this as condemnation, but I'm hoping that you sense where we're going with this, and I hope that the foundation that we've laid over the last few weeks helps you to know that I'm not here to condemn any person, but there's a mission ahead of us. Let's not be happy just waiting for the blessing. But let's actively pursue God in the process that He's taking us through. Receive that promise that He has set for every person. Whoever believes in me. That's for you. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, 
check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.